Hey, thanks for checking out the weekly podcast from Chattanooga Valley Baptist Church. We hope you found this episode to be challenging and encouraging. Now, let's turn our attention to this week's sermon from Pastor Brian Carroll. As, uh, as I begin this morning, I, I do have to acknowledge that Mother's Day, is a, Mother's Day is an interesting day, and it's important for us to remember that it's not necessarily an easy day. Uh, don't overlook the fact that there's pain in hearts, especially this Mother's Day. Uh, I was reflecting on the day and, and just the number of people that, have, um, that we've lost in the last year, uh, not per se in our church, but, but just nationwide. There have been a lot of people that have lost their moms this year. And, um, and that makes today particularly challenging. Uh, we certainly want to go about the day celebrating God's gift of motherhood, but let's pay close attention to those for whom the day creates pain. And regardless of whether this day we find ourselves grateful or whether we find ourselves grieving, we need to remember God's kindness in our lives and, as always, fix our eyes on Jesus on this day just as we would any other day. You know, our lives are filled with impossible standards. Our televisions are filled with staged perfection. Now, whether that perfection be Joanna Gaines, uh, where, where everything, that, uh, everything that she touches is, is perfect, the house is perfect, the, the whole stinking town of Waco is perfect. It's like they wave Gaines pixie dust all over the place, and, and it's perfect. The, the kids are always clean and happy. The, the husband is always well-behaved, generally speaking. It's, it's like she's the queen of, of Waco, and, and, and I know that, uh, that just when she's on screen, it's like there's nothing wrong with anything that, uh, that, that Joanna touches. You can watch Paula Dean in a perfectly staged kitchen. You can go to the restaurant up in Pigeon Forge and actually see her perfectly staged kitchen there in the restaurant. And, and everything always comes out looking perfect. Nothing is ever burned. It's all perfectly deep fried and buttered to perfection. Uh, it, it used to be that the pressure placed on women was to simply look like the the cover of the, the airbrushed model on the magazine. Uh, that, was the, that was the standard that was set. But, but now the pressure's amplified because of social media and Pinterest uh, and, and all those things, that, that everything is staged so that you can capture perfection in the midst of what really is chaos in everyday life. You guys remember ancient times when you took a picture without knowing what it looked like? Now, kids, pay attention. Once upon a time, you had these things called cameras, and they had this plastic stuff inside that was very magical. It was called film. And the camera worked by allowing just a fraction of a second of light through the lens, exposing the film to the light, and the film captured the, the still image of, of whatever light it was exposed to. And then once you used up all the film... You had to take the film out, put it in these little bitty envelopes, and you sent it to a company, or you went to Walmart or wherever, wherever the magic happened, and, and the company would take that plastic, and it would take the images off of the plastic somehow, and it would turn those images into actual print photographs that they would then send back to you in the mail so that then you could look at the pictures that you took. And nine out of ten times, the picture that you took was less than perfect. Uh, you didn't know what you were going to get, and so, uh, so sometimes the picture was good. Most of the time, somebody's eyes were doing that. Um, 
That's not how it happens anymore. It's not nine out of ten times of imperfection. Now the effort is to take as many pictures as possible to try to capture perfection. There's instantaneous feedback. You don't like that picture? Let's take another one. We've done some of that with y'all back in the back back there. Delete that one. Smile for this one. Look at the camera for this one. Let's get it right. Take as many as it takes to get the picture right. You can even buy special lighting to help you get that most epic, most memorable TikTok video or capture the perfect candid Instagram shot so that your face glows with internet perfection. But here's the thing. When you're looking at everyone else's staged perfection, you might look at your life and find that you're actually sitting in a hot mess. Everybody else's life is perfect on the internet. The pictures are perfect on the internet. The marriage is perfect on the internet. The house is perfect on the internet. It looks like Hobby Lobby threw up in your living room. But you look around and you say, you know, my life's a disaster right now. My life doesn't look like the model on the social media or the quote-unquote influencer that we all want to be like. You can't help but think, my life doesn't look like that. My house doesn't look like Joanna Gaines. My kitchen doesn't smell like Paula Deen's. My pictures are never perfect. And you may find yourself today crying out to the Lord for something genuine. You know, the, the other side of the coin in this contemporary society in which we live is to throw out everything that has to do with the distinctives of male and female. I don't need to go into the confusion of the day because it is widespread. But the spirit of our age is that anything that affirms feminine women or masculine men needs to be tossed out. Or to use the language of the day, it needs to just be canceled because you can't have feminine women and masculine men anymore. In fact, for masculine men, we even have attached an adjective to that to call it toxic masculinity today. You know, one of the most confusing things in the world today is when a woman decides to stay home and educate and raise her children and maintain her household. It is so confusing to the world today. And so we desperately need the clarification and guidance of the Word of God to help us make sense of a senseless culture. And to do that this morning on this Mother's Day, we want to go to the end of the book of Proverbs. We find out that wisdom is, um, that cultivates a life worth living is, is, is found in our fear of the Lord. It's not in all the staged perfections of our social media feeds and HGTV. So this morning, we're going to look at the last chapter in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 31. I would invite you to stand with me as we read from verse 10 to the end of the chapter. Proverbs chapter 31, beginning in verse 10. An excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchants. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp doesn't go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. 
She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. God, thank you for the text of Scripture that sometimes leaves us somewhat confused because of the distance between the time it was written and our time today. But I thank you for the wisdom of the Word. May we apply it appropriately today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. First of all, there are some obvious contextual issues that might make the Proverbs 31 woman seem a little bit out of reach for the modern suburban lifestyle. You're probably not doing much with wool and flax, if I had to guess, unless it's some sort of Pinterest project that you've picked up on the internet and you're trying out. As a matter of fact, I'm not even sure where you buy flax if, if uh, you need it. Uh, you probably don't have many maidens that you need to feed, although if you've got a house full of daughters, you may feel that way. The overwhelming majority of women probably aren't buying fields and planting vineyards, unless they're real estate agents and farmers rolled into one. If your lamp doesn't go out at night, you probably think that's just a waste of electricity, right? Turn that thing off. And if you're not working with wool and flax, then you're probably not doing much with spindles. And if you live in Georgia, you're definitely afraid of the snow. So uh, there are some, uh, there are some, some, some contextual things here that, that we read this and say, how does this work for us? How does this work today? You read this list and you, you might think, is this one of these chapters that just gets lost in translation? You know, there's those passages in the Bible that we read and think, how in the world do I bring that to 2021? How does, how does that passage apply to today? I mean, you, you're looking at this and thinking, not only am I not spinning wool, I really have no desire to do so. Uh, you're, you're looking at this chapter and, and thinking, I, you know, the things that are, that are demonstrated here as virtues are things that I'm really not interested in at all. Uh, you know, I, I have no desire to do some of the things that are, that are listed here because quite honestly, I mean, air conditioning is a good thing. Uh, so there's things in this chapter that we read and say, I don't know about all this. So instead of just tossing out the words, though, let's dig in just a little bit and see if there's some principles that might actually help us today. I think you know the answer, but fear not. We're not going to start spinning wool this Mother's Day unless you find it on Pinterest. So this morning I want to consider the principles of a Proverbs 31 woman in the context of 2021. 
And so we, again, have to think about the fact that Proverbs is a book about wisdom, and Proverbs 31 is a story about a wise woman. And so if we understand that wisdom is the goal, and, and Proverbs 31 is specifically extolling the wisdom of this woman, well, what are these principles that we can take that are timeless rather than, than stuck in time? The first thing we need to recognize is that the wise woman is a strong woman. The wise woman is a strong woman. Now, the first question the writer asks is this, an excellent wife, who can find? Men, if you're married, this is the opportunity where you look over at your sweetie and you say, I found one. So I'll pause while you take advantage of that prompt. An excellent wife, who can find? Men, do not say, I have no idea. Many a women have asked the same question about husbands, but we'll save that sermon for June. But if you are an underliner, I would encourage you to underline the word excellent there in verse 10. Underline the word excellent. If you're in the King James Version, the word is virtuous. If you're in the Christian Standard Bible or, in, or the NIV, the word is of noble character. All those words point to that same, that same word that the ESV and the NASB translate as excellent. Now, those words are somewhat different. So, so why are the translations sort of all over the board when it comes to this, this particular word? You know, usually there's more consistency. And the problem, or really not a problem, the situation is here, there's a lot of nuance built into that word. And so different translations kind of handle it differently. But in spite of how the word is translated, whether it be virtuous or excellent or noble character, what you have to keep in mind is this is a word that ultimately has to do with strength and power. Because most of the time this word shows up in your Old Testament, it's actually in, in military context. It's talking about armies and, and military, that, that the army is excellent or, or virtuous. It's about strength here. And so this is a, this is a word about a woman who is, who is strong. And notice what it says here is that this strong woman is more precious than jewels. And so the writer of Proverbs here is saying is that if you've got a wise woman who, who manifests strength, oh, you've got something valuable, friend. You've got something that's precious here. You've got something that is more precious than jewels. And understand this, if you're a lady and you're thinking, preacher, I can't even open the pickle jar. It's not what we're talking about here. This is strength of character. This is strength of confidence. This is moral courage. This is strength that's birthed out of wisdom. And so you could have zero physical strength. You may not be able to open the pickle jar, but if you are someone who is of strong courage, of strong character, or strong confidence, then this is the kind of strength that we're talking about. It's strength that is birthed out of wisdom. Down further in verse 17, it actually says that she dresses herself with strength, and makes her arms strong. Again, trying to think about this in a 2021 context. When we think about this kind of strength, we need to be reminded that this verse indicates that strength is a choice. Strength is a choice because, again, you're going to dress yourself with strength. Every one of us today made a decision about what we were going to wear. It was a choice that we made. We didn't just blindly go into the closet and drag whatever came out. We made a choice. Some sort of, some sort of thought process went in. Gentlemen, some of y'all should have let your spouse dress you a little bit better today and, and let her have more input in what you wore today. But it was a choice that you made. You did not have to wear what you wear 
wear, but you put it on for a reason. Strength here is something that is put on. It's something that we choose to wear. It's just like Ephesians chapter 6 tells us in verse 10, where it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And verse 11 is a verse that you know. It says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. In the same sense that you have to put on the armor. You don't, you don't just show up with armor. Nobody shows up in the battle with armor on. You have to make a decision to put it on. You have to, you have to make that choice to put on the armor. Take a day and don't put on that armor and see what happens. Take a day where you don't put on the, the armor of God and see what that day looks like. You'll be beat down, ran over, mistreated. You'll stumble over sin, wrestle with your flesh, embarrass yourself. That's what happens when we don't put on the armor of God. Choose a day and don't put on the armor of God and see what happens. So instead, we put it on every day. Every day. It's not fake or staged. It's a decision that we make every single day. Am I going to clothe myself with the Lord's strength, or am I going to walk in the weakness of my flesh? So we put on strength. Ladies, you put on strength daily. But this verse also indicates that strength is something that you gain. Notice what it says here, that she makes her arms strong. Now, this isn't encouraging, encouraging you to start doing lifting, ladies. You know, you're not working on, on, on you know, growing on those kind of gains, not trying to get bigger biceps. But it is encouraging you to take every single day and work at getting stronger and stronger every single day. As you grow in Christ, as you mature, you ought to experience some spiritual gains just like you would physical gains if you were going to a gym every single day. If you went to the gym, you go to Planet Fitness every single day, and you lift, and you bench press, and you do preacher curls. Those are my favorite preacher curls, right? Uh, you do that every single day. You look in the mirror after six months of doing that, you're going to notice a difference. You're going to have gains. There will be definition and muscle mass. Those things are going to grow as a consequence of the work that you put in. That's the picture that's being painted here, that as you grow in Christ, as you mature, you ought to see gains in your spiritual health and your spiritual strength. What if you're in a season today when you don't feel very strong? You're wrestling with insecurities, anxieties. What do you do? Well, that's okay. Make tomorrow better. You may have never heard of a young man by the name of Chris Nickich. Chris Nickich is somebody you need to look up. His last name is N-I-K-I-C. Uh, he's an athlete, but he's not been signed with any major teams. Instead, he is a, he's a triathlete. He is the first person with Down syndrome to ever complete the Ironman triathlon. Incredible story he has, and, uh, and, and he's got a, a great testimony to share. He got there through a lot of hard work. He is still learning to ride his bicycle because he can't get off the bike without help. And so in order to participate in the bicycle portion of the triathlon, he has to have a coach with him so that he can get off the bike if he needs to stop for, for any reason during the race. Uh, the only other way for him to stop is the painful way. Uh, so he's still learning, he's still working, but he has completed the Ironman triathlon as someone with Down syndrome. But he got there through hard work, and he was motivated by a simple, a simple mantra, 1% better. That's what he was driven by, 1% better. 
And, and, and his thought process was that every day that he trained, every day that he worked, every day that he invested, every day that he rode his bike, every day that he ran, every day that he swam, the next day he just wanted to get 1% better. What that means is if all you can do it today is, is run a mile, if that's all you can do, but you want to be 1% better, then tomorrow you run, you run a mile plus a percentage of a mile. That's all you got to do. And you do that every single day, and over time with a lot of hard work and effort, guess what you're doing? You're running a marathon because you got 1% better every single day. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of investment. But here, Proverbs says she makes her arms strong. She's investing in herself. She's, she's growing in her strength. She's experiencing gains. And, and even if it's only 1%... A day, over the course of a lifetime, there's a lot of gains to be had there. You see, we're victims of a quick-fix culture. But if you want to grow in strength, it's a game of inches, not a game of miles. Do better tomorrow than you did today. Repeat until you die. It's that simple. Do better tomorrow than you did today and repeat until you die. That's a wise recipe for growing in strength and growing in wisdom. The wise woman is a strong woman. Secondly, the wise woman is no stranger to hard work. This should come as no surprise to us because Proverbs has already made it clear how it feels about laziness. We've talked about being a sluggard already. I think the pieces of this chapter that seem so foreign to us are the specific pieces of work that she's doing. Principally speaking, though, the woman in Proverbs chapter 31 recognized how dangerous idleness can be. Not the worship of idols, but idleness, the, the lack of activity. She understands how dangerous idleness can be. Paul warned the church in Thessalonica, Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11, For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. You won't find it verbatim in the Bible, but you've heard the phrase, idle hands are the devil's playground. Proverbs 31 recognizes that to be a true statement. Idleness, however, is not the same as rest. The wise woman understands the value of hard work, but in order to truly understand the value of hard work, you must also understand the value of rest. Our contemporary setting doesn't place a high priority on biblical rest. Now, there's a lot of idleness that takes place, but there's not a lot of rest that takes place today. We almost feel like that if our calendar isn't packed, that if there's not something going on from sunup to sundown, that if we're not busy all the time, that we're not being productive. But let's not miss the simple fact that one of God's most basic commandments is to just be still. Just be still. Just stop and rest. I'm reminded of the story of Martha and Mary in the Bible in Luke chapter 10. You remember that story Jesus came to visit, and man, can you imagine if somebody with, uh, I mean, if Jesus showed up at your house? Like, I know what it's like when company's coming over. I can't imagine what it would be like if Jesus were coming over. Uh, I mean, you know, get the house picked up, make sure the floor is swept, you know, uh, lawn needs to be cut. I mean, there's things that have to happen if company's coming over, but if Jesus is showing up at my house, there's, there's going to be some effort that goes into getting things ready for that day. I mean, I mean we're, 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 we're going the extra mile here. So you've you got to understand what, what's going on here in Mary and Martha's home. And Martha was working really hard to get the house Instagram and Pinterest worthy, right? Because, I mean, that's what Jesus deserves. It needs to be Instagram and Pinterest worthy. You've got to make sure everything's right. 
No pictures are crooked. The table set just right. Everything's got to be exactly as it would be. Ladies, let's be very honest right now. How many of you would be in that same situation? That if Jesus were at the house, you'd be so jittery you wouldn't be able to be still. Who can blame Martha, right? I mean, she wants a Paula Dean dinner ready to go when Jesus shows up. I mean, who can blame her? But where was Mary? Oh, she's being lazy, wasn't she? Martha was in the kitchen getting everything ready, but old Mary's just sitting there on the couch being lazy, listening to Jesus. But that moment, you'll notice that it wasn't Martha's hospitality that was praised. What's praised was actually Mary's willingness to sit and listen to Jesus. Because Mary wasn't being idle. She wasn't being lazy. What was she doing? She's resting. She's hearing from the Lord. The wise woman understands that there is plenty of time to work hard, but she doesn't sacrifice biblical rest for her busy schedule. If you want to give your mom something special for Mother's Day, give her an opportunity to have biblical rest. And that's not just, you know, mom, kick your shoes off and, and take, a, take a break. Give her an opportunity for biblical rest where she can stop and listen to the Lord and hear from the Lord. Where there's no expectations, no, no demands placed on her that, you know, you're going to take her out to lunch today, but it's up to her to figure out what we're doing for dinner. Now, give her an opportunity to stop and really listen to the Lord. I think a godly mom would appreciate that gift more than just about anything else because the wise woman understands the importance of that biblical rest. Thirdly, a wise woman's reputation speaks for itself. So Proverbs extols a strong work ethic, but wisdom also recognizes the importance of a sound reputation. Proverbs 22 verse 1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. Proverbs 20 verse 11 even takes us to an to a even smaller level. It says, Even a child makes himself known by his acts, whether his conduct is pure and upright. Teachers in the room will tell you as they're getting ready for next year and thinking about kids next year, they're already talking to grade level behind them. Who you got coming up? Because them little boogers already got a reputation, right? They already, they've already made a name for themselves. And if they haven't, their siblings have, and you know what's coming, right? Proverbs gets it. Proverbs tells us, hey, we, we know kids get a reputation. A reputation matters. In the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, warns us that we need to keep our conduct honorable among the, the lost folks so that even when they make accusations against us, they don't stick because our reputation is so good. Reputation matters. When you consider the woman of Proverbs chapter 31, you can't help but notice some things about this woman's character, which means there's some things we know about her reputation. For example, she is charitable. She is mindful, Proverbs 31 says, she's mindful of the needy, she's mindful of the poor, she structures her home so that those under her roof do not lack, but there's also excess for those who are not under her roof. She's mindful of those who have needs in her community. She is charitable. She is calculating, she is thoughtful. She's not afraid of the snow because the family knows what to do. They've got their winter coats, there's food in the pantry, she's already got bread and milk without having to fight the crowd. She's calculating, she's thoughtful, she's planned, she's prepared. She's ready for whatever the world has to throw at her. And when the neighbor doesn't have bread and milk, she might just have enough to share because she's got a reputation of somebody who's being thoughtful. She speaks with wisdom. Her words matter. When she speaks, it carries significance. 
Children, don't you dare give your mama the side eye when she's talking to you because the wise woman knows exactly what her words mean and they carry importance. And then the Bible says that she is respected by her children and by her husband. Don't miss this. Proverbs 31 also mentions the reputation of the husband. That tied to this chapter about the woman is the husband's reputation. It says that, that he is known at the gates when he sits among the leaders of the land. You've heard the saying, you can't hide money. Meaning that if somebody's got money, they, it's, hard to, it's hard to pretend you don't. I think the Bible here is making a very clear point. You can't hide wisdom. You can't hide wisdom. You can't pretend it doesn't exist. You can't make it uh, disappear. Wisdom is evident in a woman's reputation. Finally, the wise woman understands the source of her virtues. Wise woman understands that it's not because she's great that she has all of these great characteristics. It's because of wisdom. It's because of wisdom. And all along, for this whole series through Proverbs, wisdom comes from one place, and it's the fear of the Lord. Look at verse 30. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she's to be praised. Everything the world says is important can be faked. Isn't that something? Charm. You ever met somebody who's charming until they're not? Right? You thought, man, they're, they're so charming, and then something shows up, and you think, oh, they're not all that charming after all. Uh, beauty. Beauty can be deceptive. You know, with enough surgery and skill, physical beauty can be created. But as hard as you try to sculpt the perfect human form, you cannot sculpt character with a scalpel. Between scalpels and Botox and injections and reductions, you can do all kinds of different things to the physical form. But none of those things can do that which is ultimately praiseworthy. There's no amount of plastic surgery in the world that can create human beauty that is ultimately praiseworthy before the Lord. But what can't be hidden? That's very clear here. Fear in the Lord. You can't hide that. It's not deceptive. It's not fleeting. It is permanent and steadfast. And then look at verse 31. It says, let her works praise her in the gates. What's it saying? There's no hiding it. It's in the gates. It's there for everybody to see. A, a wise woman who, who has the characteristics of godly wisdom, there's no hiding it. No one will, you can't pretend it's not there. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 16, Jesus says this. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and, glory, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So ladies, you may read Proverbs chapter 31 and think, man, that sounds good, but I'll never be that. I'll never reach that level that, that the wisdom of Proverbs is calling me to. I wonder if it doesn't beg the question. Is there such a thing as a Proverbs 32 woman? Flip over to Proverbs chapter 32. I'm just kidding, you can't. It's not there. You get into, you get into Ecclesiastes pretty quickly there when you flip over a page. Proverbs 32 doesn't exist. Carrie Pomeroli is a Christian comedian, and she's the author of the book 
Confessions of a Proverbs 32 woman. She has frequently looked at Proverbs chapter 31 and said, who is that? She quips about the gathering food from afar, that that must be ordering takeout. That's the only contemporary connection. For Carrie, Proverbs chapter 32 is the imaginary follow-up chapter that calls to us in the middle of our messy lives to look to Christ as the answer for our struggles. On this Mother's Day, you may find yourself in all kinds of current messes. Maybe it's grief. Maybe it's heartache. Maybe your kids are driving you absolutely crazy. Maybe your marriage is not as good as it could be. Maybe you're trying really hard and failing to balance a career, family, a very busy calendar, or in today's world, multiple calendars. Maybe there are days when your children actually do not rise up and call you blessed. And maybe there are days when your husband really hasn't praised you like you know you deserve. The wise woman, and I think we could say the wise man as well, is the one who recognizes that she doesn't have it all together, but understands that ultimately and finally Jesus actually does. On this Mother's Day, isn't that really what we need? Instead of trying to cram our lives into some internet version or television version of reality, instead of trying to make our homes look like Joanna Gaines and our kitchen smell like Paula Deen's, instead of trying to make our face look like the perfectly staged Instagram model with a ring light that you never see, what if we just really look to Christ? What if we really, instead of looking to all these influencers and, 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 and sources of, of, of inspiration, what if we really just look to Jesus as the source of our inspiration? What if we really just look to Christ where there is perfection, because he is perfect. It's not stage perfection. It's not a selfie in the middle of a mess where you only catch the, the perfect smile. What if we really just stop and, and look to Christ and learn to walk in wisdom, even when our life is a crazy, chaotic mess that you may find it to be, and we just learn to stop and fear the Lord? That's what we really need today. Let's look to Jesus and find it. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we, uh, we thank you that on this Mother's Day that there is one who is perfect. We live in this society that, that creates perfection with lights and, and cameras and creates staged ideas of what, of what the ideal life looks like. And I think if we're all honest, our lives don't look anything like that. And we know that women have a particular pressure on them to look a certain way, to decorate a certain way, to cook a certain way, to, to fit whatever model the culture says they're supposed to fit. But Lord, before we ever look to Hollywood or whatever magazine we're reading or whatever influencer we're following, what if we just look to Jesus? Instead of being like Martha and trying to have the perfect house, what if we were like Mary and we just stopped and listened to the Lord and see what he had to say? I think he'd look at us and he'd tell us to calm down. He'd tell us to be still. He'd tell us to fear him. 
And so, God, I would ask that you would relieve the pressure today on moms. That they would not judge themselves by the picture. They would not judge themselves by the TV program. But that they would just come to you. Say, Lord, what can I do to please you? What can I do to walk in your ways? What can I do to rest in you? What can I do to find strength in the middle of my messy weakness? Lord, I think our families will be blessed if moms and dads would look less to the world and more to Jesus. We ask these things in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like more information about Chattanooga Valley Baptist, check us out on the web at cvbchurch.org. If you would like to join in person, we worship every Sunday morning at 1045. We're just minutes from downtown Chattanooga. We hope to see you soon.